Hey everyone, I was right. We'll just leave it there. Um, and uh, rest. Can we really leave it there? Okay. Yeah, no, no we're, we're we're not leaving it there. I'm He's not, not a bragging guy. I'm not like. Uh, I want to just say I don't think you're capable of leaving it there. I I, I don't. I'm humble. I don't have any issues. <laughs> <laughs> here's but the why you something. Why don't you talk about some start with something else? I will. So, here's an interesting dilemma for the NFL, Mike. Um, and Eck. Sometimes you care about the NFL. This affects your Philadelphia Eagles, actually, because yeah. um, when you have like a conniving, money-grubbing or penny-pinching GM like the Eagles do and, and Howie Roseman, <laughs> sometimes you do things that annoy the players to the point where it could come back and haunt you, and now this is indeed happening. So the Eagles, um, there was a guy, Dillard, I think, that they drafted a couple of years ago. He got hurt, and he was supposed to play left tackle this year. They, They – Usual left tackle was Jason Peters, but he's 100 years old, so they re-signed him to play like right guard or something. And yeah, they, they cut him because they cut him out to get out of his bonuses on his right. contract and then and re-signed then, him. And they re-signed him for, to play right guard. Well, then when they lost the left tackle, they were like, well, maybe Jason Peters will play left tackle. And Peters is like, not unless you renegotiate with me, otherwise I'm staying at right guard because I would be like the 32nd highest paid left tackle. And, of course, everybody at the beginning was like, wait a minute. Why is this guy acting like such a jerk? And it there was a reminder from from Peter's agent, clearly from his camp, that a couple of years ago when Peter's had an accident, they said it was an accident on a scooter um, while he was rehabbing. The Eagles didn't pay him anything. There was a clause in his contract, and they and they acted on that. No. And so Peter's lost money because of that injury. Well, now Peter's is like this is. He's not going to come out and say it, but this is why he's asking to get paid now because the team treated him like that a few years ago. So this is the problem with the NFL and not guaranteed contracts. If you act like that, I cannot fault this player for going for more money. I know everybody piled on him the last couple of days, but you know what? I see his side now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the, it's amazing to me. The NHL, the NFLPA has never gotten a little bit better out of their, their deal. It's just, I mean, they have so much power. Like they have so much incredible power here. <laughs> well, they have potential power, but the problem is going back to the days of Gene Upshaw, they've yeah. basically been in the pocket of the owners. Yeah. yeah but but they've, never, they've never been able to get the, like to draw out the, the positives on mm -hmm. like guaranteed contracts that yeah. any other players association has. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, it, it this is, and in that sport, especially. And Peters knows this is like his last contract, right? So he figures yeah, if he's going to put himself and look, a left tackle is a more dangerous position. You're protecting the quarterback. That's the yeah. blind side. He knows he's going to get more beat up in that position. He he's looking for more money. So now what the Eagles are doing is not only are they not paying him, they're keeping him in the position he's in. They're putting a guy in left tackle who's never played there before. And they're probably going to expect everybody else to pick up the slack rather than just pay him, which again, yeah, probably a big mistake. Right. I mean, and he's also a very popular player. He's a very popular player. He would be protecting Carson Wentz's blind side. Great things in the community too. He's good. He's just a yeah. Oh no, he's guy. a good guy. I mean, this is just the craziness of the NFL. Yeah. No, that's absolutely ridiculous. All right, let's get going here. Yep, we got some things to talk about. Um, <laughs> Hello, Hockey World. It is Wednesday, September 2nd, 2020. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen 
from Sportsology, and I stick by my picks. <laughs> and I'm right. And you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And um, all right, so it didn't exactly happen as I thought it would last night. And I actually didn't think the Flyers were going to really win last night. So I didn't. But but the other so um, but they did. Let's talk about that game first. Let's start oh, there. Oh, hold, hold on one second. Hold on. I gotta. Yeah, you. Love, we're not gonna. You're, you're, you know, Mike loves talking about the Flyers. Okay. It's like we never talk about the Maple Leafs or something. Well, I'll, I'll get some rest here. Go ahead. I mean, they—they are a story. They, it was um, this this team just baffles me that they're still alive, Russ. Honestly, it's like I know. It, at some point, you you do have to give them credit for that much. I mean, it's like they there's a look for people that said they weren't trying or they don't care. That was never the truth. No. The problem was is just the right combination of players. Yeah. Were they clicking? They weren't clicking. Was the coach doing enough to manipulate the right players? Maybe not. Yeah. And I mean, you could still – I'm telling you, I'm finding flaws every shift now with AV, and I'll start pointing them out. But at the end of the day, that the players overcame all of that. I would say on the easy path before we get into the deeper stuff is – if they intend to win this series by winning four overtime games, I, don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> I know it reminds me of the '93 Canadians. You remember them? They they were like yeah. they just they were never supposed to be that good and they end up winning the Stanley Cup. But like, they had Patrick Waugh. Yeah, yeah, they, they had a young Patrick Waugh. They had a well, they had a young Patrick Waugh, which is you know, I know, but still, they, not that they were hard. So not they weren't that hard, but I think the young Patrick Waugh was better. They weren't that good though. No, that Montreal Canadiens team was not that good, and they and no. they didn't win at all. I mean, and, and they and yeah. they won like a record number of. They won like eleven overtime games, some ridiculous, yeah, something crazy yeah. like that. And uh, you know, and I mean, Carter Hart came up big and small yesterday at different times. You know, like there was. I mean, I thought you know the first the sec, the second goal, the Islanders' goal, which was the really important goal, um, was a the really bad the glove. The glove yeah, it was a really bad goal. I mean, just like a he wasn't expecting the shot, or I know, think. This is one of those where, and Eck, you're you're the goalie, so you could definitely fix it if I say it wrong. But I think there is a, a glove hand angle and height that goalies sort of go by when they don't see the puck. And I think he was going playing the percentages, and it wasn't in the right spot. Yeah, I think that's. I think you know he. It, it's it's weird how he plays his glove hand a lot. Um, he does play his glove hand a lot more like a first baseman almost, like you know. Yeah in an odd way, like holding it like this, as opposed to like this, you know, right. like this, <laughs> like this, he holds it like this a lot. Um, and that is, a, is kind of a method that, you know, you do see more and more goalies do, especially goalies that like to go down early, which is he's a, he's a goalie who goes down early a lot. Because yeah. a lot of goaltenders that they don't hold their, go I, I've seen this, like, yeah. I, think, I think Reimer had this issue in Toronto back in the day. Uh, they, they purposely co coached him to have his glove up like this, because if he has it down like that, as he goes down into the butterfly, his hand stays down, and then it and comes Then you up. can't get your glove up. Right. Yeah, exactly. that makes sense. And then you're waving at it. And right. that's and that is not what. But the problem with this angle here, like from my perspective, like I was taught to always have my glove like this, but I would keep it up higher. Um, what you're saying makes sense. That, like that, it didn't make sense because I do play yeah. first base and yeah. stuff gets thrown over my head all the time. Right, right. It's a. And, but the thing is, I do think when it's like the way he had it, I think by the time he realizes to adjust it, he couldn't. Yeah, Where right. You can't. You, it's hard to go up like this. Right. Versus going up like this. Like, right. Just going like, you know, best I can, if you see my hand 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but you know, know stuff like this requires your and you whole have the net arm. behind you, so you could actually show on your fake net. Yeah, if, you, right, if your right. hand was that like, big. Like, you... So, like, to me, going up like this, which is just your elbow, this is your whole arm pushing right. up. Heck, so, if, if that was the actual size of the net, you'd be an all-star in the NFL. <laughs> I'd be good. Yeah, I'd be good. Yeah, no, we shoot at this net every afternoon. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, no. So, but he does this a lot, and this is this. He and sometimes it works for him. I mean, he makes you know, he, it does help him sometimes. Though this this shot might have been deflected, and some people were saying that in the chat room. And I, I don't know if it was. If it was, it was deflected barely. The point, right. and whether, whether it was deflected or not, his positioning wasn't good on the shot. Um, mm -hmm coming in and he was pretty far back in his net too. And the other goal to the left side, he definitely could have stopped. I forget whose goal that was. Um, the first maybe, goal? Maybe, was it the first goal? Beautiful play by Clutterbuck. I mean, like, I mean, uh, I mean, Clutterbuck's, Clutterbuck's pass to Broussard on the third goal was phenomenal. Like, just like. It was. That was a great. I mean, you know, you yes, know maybe it was the first goal. Maybe it was the first. Goal. Well, that was, was the one. That was the one that was reviewed because uh, Barzil was knocked into the crease. Right. Right. Oh no no no. Okay. Then no, there wasn't that one that I was talking about. It was the Clutterbuck. You think about the okay? So I felt yeah, like I mean, you're talking, talking about the Brock Nelson goal. No, the Nelson goal was the one we were just talking about with the, with the shot from. Yeah, Alabama. the Nelson was the shot over the glove. I think it's the other goal with Broussard, Broussard, goal, which the tying goal. I, I think that he didn't move the right way on that goal. I don't think he – because, again, sometimes you're guessing, and I don't think he guessed right on what, that. Yeah, what happened? I mean, normally, so if he's in that position, he's up against the post, right? And he's up yeah. against the post. Um, he should have his stick angled out like this. Like what you do normally, like if you have your stick like this, you know, yeah. um, once a guy goes to that side of the net, you're supposed to put your stick like this to um, to help block passes that could come across, right? And this got him in trouble the other day when he kind of deflected a shot in on his own in, in the yeah. game before that. But especially that that was more of a that was not a, the right play to do because that was a straight up shot. But when so, when someone's going behind the net, you would normally have his he would normally have his stick out like this. But what happened is Clutterbuck was skating as if he was he was he did basically what I call like it's like I call it the Mark Messier pass because Messier did it all the time. Yeah, um, but this is Cal Clutterbuck. It's different. I know that, and, but it, that doesn't take away from the beauty of this. No, play. but the idea is he. Th that's why I don't think he expects Clutterbuck to do okay. that. Like, that's fair. You know, like I think he thinks Clutterbuck's going around the net with the puck, which is, the, you know, instead of like suddenly reversing it and, and putting it back. So yeah. I think he caught him at the exact moment where if he thinks Clutterbuck's going to pass his stick like this, if he's going to go around the net, his stick's like this. And he's thinking of going around the net when Clutterbuck passes it across. That's what it looked like to me. And, and it was just a, I mean, it was an amazing pass. Now, the real issue to me is how Broussard is all alone. Like that, it, right. you know, would be like he is by himself there. He was by himself. And there's no reason that that's late should in the game. Yeah, at that point, like he is totally alone, and and that you know had a lot to do. I felt with you know with the lines that the Flyers put out towards the, you know he was defending the lead with like he was. Right. So before we do the lines thing, one yeah. more thing. So let's talk about the the if you were a Flyer homer or thought that that was goaltender interference. Here's no, here's I'm gonna I'm just gonna give you my opinion on it. Yeah, we know Pitlick was pushed, so that's yeah. one thing. Barzell. People think he stayed there. Yes. He was holding on to the net because he was losing his balance. Yeah. He did move. He just maybe didn't move as fast as you'd like it to let your goalie back in there. But he did try and move, but he was falling. Well, they made the point on the replay, Russ, that it was actually Provorov who limited 
uh, um, Hart's ability to move to the left because he was down on the ice in between Barzil and him. But I think Barzil lingered. I think. Oh, I don't think so. You know, now it was uh, granted in real time. It was a second. It really was. That's what I mean. And if you look, and I think Eck caught this too. If you look, the reason he held onto the net because he was going to fall too. Yeah. 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 No, it was a mess. I mean, it was, it was a mess. And at that point, you know, like there is no rule in the NHL. You have to get out of there in a hurry. Like that's like, right. I mean, you have to make an, either, you, well, they want you to make a reasonable effort, which is like completely, totally, you know, subjective. Right? right. So Right. You don't, you don't have, you don't have to like get out of there immediately, but when the puck goes off of you and, and you're, and you're limiting the goaltender's ability to move, then it's goalie interference. But I, I don't. I, I, it was a. Until he got there, you know that the NHL team teams that the NHL does now. The interesting thing is like Pitlick knocks him into the net. Someone else right. knocks Pitlick. It was a, it so, was a it was a border like the transitive property of checking. You know that it's like it, it, was, it was a it was a borderline call. So I mean I, was, I mean I was border, but I I didn't really have a big issue with it. Like I okay. felt like so now let's do the line stuff back because you and I were yeah. on the same page with this. Yeah. Av always falls in love with his fourth line. He's the coach that just has the ultimate fourth line all the time. He did it in Vancouver. He did it in New York. We're not going to go back on that. But the fact that Thompson, Nate Thompson was now somebody said to me, I think it was Anthony that he felt like he was out at the end of his shift. And that's why he was there for both goals. Um, I'm not sure because, you know, if you want to take Couturier out of it because he had the injury, Nate Thompson still had played more than connecting yeah. and he was playing just a little less than Giroux, which and, means that AV left him out there on purpose because he yeah. feels like he was his shutdown center. And, and, and if you uh, feel like and if you feel that, like and, Thompson is your shutdown center, yeah. you, you got a problem. That is not as much shutdown, Russ. Because uh, I, I hard play. well no, but this is the reason why. Yeah. Last night he was 69% on faceoffs. Okay, but again he's slow. I, so I know he's slow. Say, I, I'm, not, I'm not disputing your. your no, no, I know. But yeah, getting into Vigneault's mind, he's like, if I win the faceoff, then I can get him off the ice, especially in the third period with leading three to one with Couturier not coming right. back after after collide the, the collision. Um, I think he was saying, get possession, get him off the ice, and, and get he couldn't get off the ice. And he couldn't get off the ice. Now I'll tell you, you know, the the two injuries. Um, I think there's a greater pop probability that we see Barzil in game six. Yeah, we're going to see Barzil than 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 we do see Couturier because yeah, Couturier. I, agree with that. I mean, it looked like. I mean, I I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'll only play it on the Buzzcast. But um, I I think that he at absolute best was a it was a hyperextension at absolute worst. Those are the type of injuries that could be ACL tears because the way his leg bent back backwards. Yeah. I mean that was that was scary. Uh, and then you know he had trouble getting off the ice. Barzil took the stick from Giroux. It was it was uh, un, it was not intentional, but it was around the eye area. Even with the visor, I mean there probably is going to be some swelling, uh, but there's a chance he could play in Game Six. But I you know the possibility if Couturier's out that they say okay, well we'll just, it's sort of like a, they'll just know. put Nate Thompson there instead. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, like uh, as the number one center, there you go. right? I mean, the thing with the thing with Thompson is like you know ju- this whole concept of just because you get a character guy who's like, and he you know, and he built this up right because pregame yeah. he talked up Thompson, he talked about wearing his big boy pants. You knew when Av was doing that that he was going to game plan Nate Thompson heavy in that game. You knew it. 
Yeah, and it doesn't make any sense against this Islanders team. Like, there's no, there's this Islanders team is nothing is nothing but speed. Like that's what they do. They play fast. They and it, how, why you would think Nate Thompson makes any sense against this team? I mean, he could win faceoffs, but after the faceoff, you got to get him off as soon oh, as I possible. Think, right, I think, it, I think zone, that's dangerous. You know, I think it makes perfect sense against this team as a fourth line player against a team that has Clutterbuck, Zekas, Martin, Johnston, yeah. uh, Komarov. You want somebody with size who will push. When I saw them up against the Pajo line before the goal right. even happened, I was like. That's Why your, is that even a good matchup? Right, that's oh, your yeah. problem. When you're putting Nate, I mean Nate Thompson. The players need to figure out that they got to cover. Nate Pedro. Thompson played yeah. 17 minutes and 33 seconds. That is ridiculous. They're they're they they are they're somehow in in denial. Like maybe because they tried to get Pejo at the trade deadline too, but they, it's bizarre. They have to figure out that like it, Pejo is left all alone all the time. Well, yeah, and okay. he's very good at getting, but he's very good at he's a very slippery player. Yes, he's if, good if at finding his spots. If Couturier doesn't play, does that mean Morgan Frost is in? I don't know because Frost hasn't played in like a month and a half. I know. I mean, Raffle would be, you know, but he's hurt. But if Raffle right. were some sort of healthy, Raffle would drop. Raffle is such an important player for them right yeah, now. Yeah, he is. I mean, I, mean, if I, 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 I get I, anybody back at all, if he's even, if he, if he's even like seventy percent, I go, with, I get him in somehow. Like, I, yeah. I, I agree with the fact that you know that Frost hasn't played since March, but the problem is they if you look at what Colorado did, they put Connor Timmons in. He had he yeah. hadn't played since March either. They had to True. because they had they had no other choice. The, the only difference, the only difference between too. the two players is though, Timmons is more physical, like sure. he's bigger than than Frost. And who knows if Frost comes in if he's gonna get hit right away. Um but Frost is good defensively though. I mean that's he is no no, he, he's okay, but he doesn't win board battles and there's going to be board battles when he's on the ice against yeah. his team. But that's what, what you worry about. Well, what that means is if you know, say Frost is your fourth line center that moves Thompson up to third. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a problem. Then, then, you're, then your top two centers are Hayes and Giroux. I think, I think, I don't think Frost becomes your fourth. I think if you bring Frost in, he's your third line center. I think he's your third line center and somebody else is taking the face offs. Yeah. I think you're still keeping the fourth line as the fourth line. I think actually, I think what would happen is, this is just me. I, I well, no, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who would take the faceoffs in that. Maybe Lawton would. Yeah, I mean, as you, as you know, the one thing I was thinking about the Islanders, and I, I still think that they're going to win the series in six. Like I said the whole time, um, but because I, I, I just have this, it feels, you know, it feels like they are a team. It's hard to get past the fact how, how bad they were down the stretch and how good they are now for me. Like I'm trying to trying to you remember that they were two different teams though. They were absolutely terrible though. I well, mean, like, but they didn't have Adam Pellick. Pellick was out with the Achilles oh, injury. Sure. That was massive. He's a big important defenseman for them. And, and they added added Andy Green and at the deadline. Right. No, but Green, Green was there for that. Green was there for that when they were losing like crazy. I mean, he was oh yeah, there. no, Green was there, Mike. He did, did get him early. I mean, remember they couldn't. I don't think they won a game after the deadline, did they? If they won one game. Well, I mean, they they were just they were off they like seven or eight in a row. It was only two. It was only it was less than two weeks after that the league got shut down. So who cares? It's two weeks. I know. No, I know. I know. But it's like, but you wonder, like you know, they're such a confident group now. I mean, they're acting like you know, they're acting like they're they're like the best team in the division and always. Yeah. Been, and you know? By the way, I thought the Adam Pella kid on Farabee was clean. I know everybody wants to bring it to the league, show it to the league. You know what? That is a situation where I feel like the bigger um, yeah. player did hit the smaller player, yeah. and, and it was clean. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. Um, I think after the follow-through does hit his jaw a little, but that's the way it goes. Yeah, that's definitely the way it goes. I mean, I think that, you know, it's just that so to answer now, that, are no. we going to see, like if the Flyers were to get out on the month in game six, 
And if they were, I mean, you know, the Flyers. You won't be able to say this next game, Eck, if, if if the Flyers win, you will have to shut up about I pick the Islanders and. I know. I'm just having fun with it. You guys always mock me all the time, so I enjoy, I I enjoy getting you know my come up in once in a while. Um, I know. I know. So uh, no, but I mean no. So let's enjoy your victory for 48 hours. Islanders' confidence could be shaken if the Flyers win Game Six. That's my thought process. Like. I don't think it was shaken yesterday. They it came wasn't, back. It wasn't. It definitely hasn't been so far. Like I said, but if, yeah. but if they lose Game Six, like there is a point at which. An interesting thing that was brought up, you know, last night on the late, on the late, later by I think Patrick Sharp it was, or somebody, or maybe Keith Jones, is that the Islanders, this Islanders team has not been good finishing off teams in the playoffs in general. Like over the last couple of years, like they've had issues where, well, that's fair. You know, and they didn't finish off Florida right away, um, you know, and uh, they didn't finish off, I guess, the team before that. Right. Yeah. Like the Capitals won the, won the first game that they could have, right? Yeah. And Russ, I, I have to I have to bring this up because I I couldn't believe when on on Monday you know I I, I traditionally will watch uh, the the Michael K show out of out of New York City, and their first commentary about the Islanders Philadelphia series was not oh my God how great the how how great are the Islanders playing it was why why in the hell. Did John Tavares leave the Islanders? Oh my God! Really? They went, they went back to that. Don't you? Don't you think he's regretting the fact that he left the Islanders based on the fact they're one game away from the conference final? Uh, honestly, do you understand that that organization was a friggin' clown car at the time that Tavares left? There was no trots. Yeah, there was no trots. There was no Mitch Corn. There was trots, but just a few. No, 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 no. No, no. there was no trots. They had had hired trots before. They had hired Lou. They had hired Lou. They had hired Lou, not trots. It's just Lou. That's it. You sure about that? Yes. Yes. I got to check that out. I think they they had let Capuano go, but they had not hired trots. They hired trots as a a last-ditch attempt to keep him there. No, they they No, Lou is the one who negotiated with him. I know Lou's the one who negotiated with him. But I mean, just like the idea of getting, you know, the getting the getting the. I mean, it's just, from, it's, it, it's yeah. just. I mean, I, matter, I, I have respect for the guys on that show, but it's it's just so simplistic and dumb. That's because, ridiculous. Yeah, because honestly, it's like, okay, well, I know he was going back to his hometown. No, the the Islanders franchise at that point, with their ownership, with their management under Garth Snow, they were a friggin' clown car. They were. They were. Now, now, right now. Yep, I'm Ooh. right, guys. Sorry, I want to I want to point out that I'm right here. Um, Go ahead. June 21st, uh, Trotz was announced as the head coach of the Islanders. July 1st, Tavares. Okay. With the, with the right. I, I, I don't remember it that way, but if, if that's what. Right. I'm no, yeah, I looked it, up, looked it up right here. So we are wrong. Yeah, because I remember that being when Trotz when Trotz went there. I wrote about it. Time you know this okay. is. I remember that was that was four days. That was four days. Before the nego- the early negotiating window, so that four days before negotiation, like a week before. Yeah, at that point, at that point, are you going to believe anything that 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 incompetent organization is going to put in front of you if you're Tavares and you're going to go back and forth between Brooklyn and Long Island and promises that were made to add players and his his line mates were Matt Molson and PA Parento? Give me a friggin' break. Now this team is different. I mean, this team, you know, they, they, they are different. And and but a lot of these, a lot of these guys were there. Um, a lot weren't. You know, I mean, Lou's done a good job of putting it together. I mean, Varlamov is definitely a big, a big change. You know, that's a big upgrade that they've. That they've well, added. I think Corn is the one that changed Varlamov. Let's be yeah. fair about that because Varlamov's yeah. play wasn't this good at any time for Colorado except the maybe the very beginning. Yeah, God knows he could, he couldn't do anything with Grice. 
but we're just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are <laughs> <laughs> we going to see Grace in game six? No. No. I don't think so either. No, because just for the reason you said, they're gonna they're gonna try and close out that game. That's yeah. It. I mean, they have to. They really, they really at the, at this point, they really have. That's to. what they have to do. They have to be. You can't worry about. Um, let's save Verlama for Game Seven and then blow Game Six. You got to try and close them out in six. And if you don't, then you could try in seven. Yeah, funky, you're such an ass kisser. Yeah, really funky. Just <laughs> go away. Thanks, Funky. Let's talk about that. If since you brought it up. Since since Funky brought it up, let's um yeah okay let's 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 bring up the fact that the that the Golden Knights outshot the Canucks four dominated them in every which way forty to three to seventeen and dominated that game in every aspect except Thatcher Demko played. Fantastic. By the way, it looks like he is the size of two goalies. <laughs> Thatcher Demko is the biggest goalie I've ever seen. He's a big goalie, he's not, but he's the biggest goal. He's not just a big goalie; he's the biggest goalie. Let's and, let's. No, I mean no. the equipment he wears too. Did you see his interview afterwards? It's like he is wearing a stormtrooper outfit, um, you know, like in a cosplay Star Wars film. Oh, like okay. his, his, his I'll, show, I'll show you something. Nash, there, there are, keep talking. Who is the, who was the who was the big Nashville goaltender who played for the Sabers? I'm, I'm, um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah he was six foot nine. Being yeah, but he was thinner. Then yeah. Demko is like being big doesn't mean you're a good goaltender. But there are Demko some Demko is like oh, a linebacker. But, but like, this is this is the interesting thing. Demko had a had a had a great game. He did. Um, oh yeah. It's one, but it's one game. But but still, in the minds of uh, of the, the 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 Canucks management, this has got to be good news for them in the sense that okay, not to say that because of one game they're going to say we're going to walk away from Markstrom, but it gives them a little bit of confidence that maybe Demko is a guy that you can go with as a num- as a potential number one yeah. and go out and sign a one B uh, to play 30, you know, 25 to 30 games and go with the young goaltender other, instead of being held up for, for Markstrom, if Markstrom is asking for 7 million a year, especially in the, in this goaltender market that we'll talk about later on, that yeah. there are so many goalies out there now yeah. uh, that, you know, I don't know whether any goaltender can really hold up another team to say, you know, you got you got to give me this. They're going to say, well, there are so many other goaltenders in this market. We're going to we're going to go. All right, Eck, here. This this is for you. Okay. I took this picture of Demko in 2015 for the All-American Prospects game. Okay. Same shoulder pads. Okay, yeah, you see what I'm talking about? Yes. His shoulder pads are enormous. Garth yeah. Snow. Yeah, Garth, like, Garth Snow like and it just the neck thing that you see underneath is I wish the I had whole it. thing going across. It's yeah, it looks like he's wearing like a medical device, <laughs> you know, it's to like keep his, to keep his head attached to his body. Um, it feels like it's just like and 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 he's I mean he just he was brilliant last night. I mean he really he's, he's a very game. good positional goalie. So he's one of those goalies that I know that I will not like. Okay, I want to throw this out there, like you know, just because he's like, like I'm not a big. This reminds me of like. I'm not a big fan of the goalies that are big and play great positionally, and that's their right. That's game. what he is. He's a by the book positional goalie with yeah. a good glove. That's what he is. Yeah, and these are, and I'm those are not like I like Hudobin. I love. Hudobin. I know you like the little bit of craziness, right? I like yeah. That like you know the difference between you know, and I'll I'll bring it up before, but like when I got to interview Bernie Perrot, I'm going to name drop a little bit. Okay, got to interview Bernie Perrot. I just dropped my big mouse. Darn it. Um, I broke my mouse. That was cool. Anyway. Hopefully I don't need to do it. Hopefully I don't need to do anything. Show, but um, I'm a mouth in pieces. Stop anyway, fiddling uh, around. And all right. So as I was talking, when I get when I was interviewing Bernie Perrant, 
you know, and I asked him the difference between hockey players now and hockey players then, you know, he said goalies then he said, um, we, they drink less now. No, well, that's probably a big part of it. Um, they womanize a little less now, but besides that, they, um, you know, he said, we made saves, they get hit by the puck, you know, like, yeah. And that's the difference, you know, and I'm, I'm a big fan of goalies that make saves, you know, this is why, you know, sometimes, you know, well, the one thing about Thomas Grice and Renner and Grice, I'm not <laughs> Grice again, man. He was Grice. It's not that I like Grice. I liked him more than Carter I liked him more than Leonard. I don't like Grice more than Varlamov at all. Like I, that's not even close. Eck, I think what I could tell you about Demko, and I do want to tell people in the audience because they may not know, but but Demko's good at anticipating. He is pretty good at that, and that's something where I think any goalie would like him. But he is a cool story. Back in the day, his dad worked for Upper Deck, and he actually took a oh, picture really? of an upper deck rookie card with himself in it when he was a kid. Oh, that's cool. He's from the San Diego area. He yeah. and Eric Comrie came up through the ranks and Comrie was actually the higher ranked goalie of right, the really? two. And as you can see, he's going to turn out to be the better goalie. I, I know his family a little bit. Like they were thrilled. Like I can't even tell you how excited they were. Kid. That I mean, he, was, he is a great guy. Matter of fact, he got drafted in Philly. X. So we, yeah. we ran into him a lot. He okay. was in the Philly draft, and um, no, he he is a great guy, but he is a guy that has been waiting his turn, and he's still waiting his turn in a sense because Markstrom is hurt. Yeah, but he did a lot for his career now because now he put a question in the Vancouver Canucks mind: Are we going to pay Markstrom, or are we just going to go with Demko? And that's a big question now in their minds. It is, although you know, at the end of the day, I think you know, it was really interesting because they said, you know, who do you go with in Game Six, and if Markstrom's healthy, you got to go back to Markstrom. Oh no, they'll go back to Markstrom in this series because they have him. Yeah. But will they pay Markstrom beyond this? Because now they saw a preview of what Demko could do. Right. That could save them millions of dollars. No, it really could. And, um, you know, I know there are some people who really who are – I've talked to some people who are huge, huge believers in Demko. Um, and last night was just – you know, yeah, he had, he had to be pulling for the kid because of the way it was just one of those, like, Rocky versus, you know. It really yeah. felt like, you know, like you get up against the ropes type thing, you know. <laughs> Banging Rocky into the boards, you know? Yeah, if we, if we hear the cliche, and it is a cliche, that a backup goalie has to be ready for anything, that is the proof of it last night, being ready for it and making 42 saves. Like, that is yeah. the – again, not playing forever and then all of a sudden getting thrown in there for 42 saves. The goalie I was talking about was Anders Lindbach. That was oh, – Lindbach, okay. He was like six foot nine. Um, and Lindbach was literally the thinnest person I've ever actually, met. Actually, the Flyers – had a kid, a Finnish kid. Uh, I have a picture of him too. He was like six foot nine, and he had the biggest wingspan I'd ever seen. Hold on, yeah, I'm gonna get his yeah, name. Like, like the, the, I mean, Demko has some meat to his bone. Like he's a, yes. and he's you know, so he's he trains hard. He does. He really looks like a football player, you know, like in a goalie suit. Like it's really kind of fun. Uh -huh. I mean, and it, it really just amazing. I mean, honestly, honestly, really just something else. But what it was a great game. Um, he was, you know. I don't think they're going to go back to him. I think Markstrom's going to be able to play next game, from what I've heard. But yeah, yeah. but like you said, it's hope, and, and not really this 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 playoff run for teams like Vancouver. This is about like yeah. Home. This is this is. I mean, there's no bad scenario here. Yeah, no bad scenario. I mean, they, they, they could be very well losing to the Stanley Cup champions with Vegas. You know, it's very possible. And in terms of them getting experience, this is it's all it's all positive. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. the guy's name was Nico Hovenin, and I'm going to get you a picture of him. <laughs> I remember interviewing Pekka Rennie in the in the Nashville locker room uh, with Limbach next to him, 
and, yeah. I, and I had them two two of them stand up one time next to the like, and took a picture. I wish I could find it. It was just the Limbox, like Limbox looked like a um a praying mantis is all I could say. Like, yeah, would, I'll, like I'll never be able to find my picture of Hovenin, but I'm gonna get yeah. you one where it shows how yeah. big this guy is. Yeah, the 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 problem is Zach, that not only was Anders Lindbach looking like looked like a praying mantis, the team that he played for had to pray that he even let in five goals. No, exactly, exactly. I know, I agree. Um, <laughs> so that, but anyway, let's um. So yeah, I I mean, but I you know, this this game felt like I, it, I don't I'm not gonna take credit for calling this game a lock. All what I was doing yesterday is just doing like we've all been around hockey long enough. Like this is like that's my thing on this. It's like look how much bigger he is. Hold on, go ahead. Um, than the actual bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the saves he made last night in the game. He made on his knees, and it is, he was down on his knees, and like the player was trying to shoot high, and there was no room. Yeah, this guy had no high either. He was in Flyers rookie camp, but the problem was he was too slow post to post. <sighs> Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Really, just like well, I mean, that, that. That the bottom line is, you guys still have to have speed. I mean, Demko obviously can skate, so it, it's you know. But one on one of the plays last night, geez, I Demko's a tough kid. People forget when he was playing in the Frozen Four, which also was in Philly. He had a bad hip, and he played for BC, I think it was, with a bad hip, and yep. literally got hip surgery right after the Frozen Four was over. Yeah, yeah, that's something else. That was that was pretty. That was it was. It was a good game. I'm glad. I mean, I'm glad that three of the three of the teams that were down three one are still going, and that that you know we get to see more hockey, which is what we all want. That's all. That's all that it matters. You know. Although you know, again, I hate hate when my team's in the playoffs. I just hate it um, because I just can't stand like. Like I like I watch the game with I watch all the games with all of my um family all the time. The games are on every room. We have like extra TVs and different things like that. Yeah. But the Flyers come on, you know, and it's it goes over time, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm off to my office to watch by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want the things coming out of my mouth. Like I'm like, yeah, no, that's, that's fair. But you know, the, the game, I don't think you should ever get rid of it completely. But yeah, the game winning goal for Vancouver was great. Yeah. But I still don't think that that goal or that win or anything gave me confidence that they're going to win the series. Correct. Yeah, agree. I don't. I don't think either team is going to win the series. Like I, I don't think Vancouver or Philly are going to win. I the think series. the Flyers have a better chance than Vancouver. Yeah, I, and I stick by the fact. I think that the Flyers have the best chance to come in from back from three one. Like I said before, but I don't. Yeah, it, it's going to be fun tonight because tonight, if 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 Colorado comes out tonight and does something again like that, that series really gets interesting. They have to try and score quickly, a couple of goals quickly. They do. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Jake Allen trade in a second, guys. Um, yeah. And we're also, but the first, but before we go to that, we also I want to touch base on the Florida GM signing, GM GM hiring, obviously, which happened five uh, five year deal, a five year deal for Bill Zito in in Florida. Well um, deserved. You guys know I'm a big big fan of this guy. Like he's yeah. one of my, one of my favorites. Um, I've been pre professing him for a long time. I just think this is a brilliant move. Um, I mean, I'm not as big a fan because he missed he. Corrected my pronunciation of one of his players on my own show at the 2003 draft, and I hold it against you, Bill. But he's right. <laughs> it's funny because he's a guy who like used to go to Finland. I mean, a lot of a lot of Finnish. Well, that's the thing. He it was a Finnish player too. Nokelainen. Big Tukarask, Kimo Timonen. You know. Um, yeah. Well, he uh, brought over Nokelainen yeah. for the Islanders, and that was a bad pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and all these guys, um, because he would he would scout in Finland constantly, which is how he ends up meeting you know Kukalainen who, yeah. um, you know, brings him in to work as a, um, as the assistant GM. But what I like about him is like, what's neat about him is because he was a player agent with tons of money before, um, you know, he didn't have to, he took, you know, way less money to be an assistant GM in the NHL right. because he wanted 
to win a Stanley Cup. He really wanted to be part of that process. You know, and how many years has he been the assistant? Five. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's done his job there. And he took the his first year there. He took the he basically was handed the uh, Erie Monsters, and they went on this epic run to win the Calder Cup, where they lost like one game. They 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 swept everybody. They played like seventeen games and they in the whole in the playoffs to win this Calder Cup, the Erie Erie Monsters. And a lot of those players are now players that he brought in that are now players on the Columbus Blue Jackets that you're seeing. You know what the Blue Jackets can do. So uh, he's just a really smart, smart guy. Um, and, you know, I don't meet that many guys that kind of like when I talk to them that surprise me with, with you know, just stuff that I just would never have thought of, like stupid, stupid little things. Like on, I've talked about a different kinds of like power play schemes and stuff like that with him in the past. So yeah, this is going to be a brilliant, a brilliant move. Um, and another thing that you can't underestimate here with all the people he was going up against Um is his relationship with Bobrovsky, which of course Bobrovsky is a, a really important player for this team. They they can't get around the fact that they signed Bobrovsky to this deal. Like this is a very long deal for a very long time, right? So, in order for them to, you know, they got to make Bobrovsky work. And um, well, I, I, okay, let, let's just let's just say this: no matter who the general manager was going to be in Florida. It, it's going to be a challenge yeah. because that organization and that roster, I think based on the way that they've played over the last few years, and they were looking for an upgrade when it came to Quenville coming in there, that lineup and that roster and that organization is very, has been very stale. And I, you know, I would think that somebody who is so finely attuned to the league as, as Zito has been, is going to go in there and has read the landscape of that team and not to say he's going to drop a bomb in the locker room and trade five players away. No, but no. I, don't think, I don't think there's going to be a hesitancy there to, to shake up that roster and maybe trade and go into a different direction. Because really, you know, there are players that, I, you know, I don't think you're trading Huberto. I don't think you're trading Barkov. They've already traded Trocek. They're, they're, there's a financial aspect to that organization in terms of ownership wanting to cut salary. That's been yeah. well known. You know, now whether they can find somebody to take Mike Matheson's contract, whether they entertain the idea, there's been some Aaron Eckblad speculation. I don't think that's out of the out of the possible out, you know, out of the realm of possibility because Eckblad is not the same player that signed that contract a couple years ago. He clearly has never been the same since the concussions, but I still think he's a top top pairing or top four defenseman and maybe, you know, at seven and a half million for, I think another five or six years, there's a possibility that they make the, you know, make those type of deals. I think the slate is clean. And, you know, now that after, since Quenville has been there for a year, he's got a read on that team and Zito and him will formulate a direction for that franchise. I do yeah. want to say this because I think it's important. Yeah. We have to remember the job of a GM is to look at his own team's talent, make good trades work with the cap guy. It is not to draft players. Yarmo Kekalainen is a oddity in that because he was yeah. such a great scout for so long that yeah. he still, people still look at him and say, well, look, he picked Dubois and he really did, but there's very few GMs that do that. And Zito has a little touch to him, but it's not like Yarmo. And, and so I would say pump the brakes on expecting those same kind of results yeah. in the draft, because I think Zito has to hire the right people to run the draft. They used to have Scott Luce there. Scott Luce was great. And yeah. the minute they fired Scott Luce, I felt like things were going downhill for them. Yeah. And I think you could see some people coming back. He might bring some people back like that. Um, like Chris Pronger? As, as this plays out. You know, I, 
it, he is definitely a scout. I mean, if you're an agent, you're a scout, right? Like player agents. Yeah, I think there's a degree of it. Yes, they go out there and they they try to find guys because you know he was never he was not one of the big agencies. Yet he's yet he sold yet he just had million many many big contracts. So if you're a big agent, you don't need to find the talent. He was his specialty was finding the talent and then getting his players into the right place as an agent. Like he like Kimo Timonen gets you know on the gets drafted by the Kings, right? Doesn't play, does hardly plays for the LA Kings at all. He gets him traded to Nashville, teaming in, teaming in flourishes. You know, Tim Thomas, no one wants him and everything like this. He gets him onto Boston, gets him into that spot. You know, he flourishes there. Um, Brian Mafalski, these this, these guys that he had, you know, were uh, Andy Green, you know, the guy that I think that, that you can most compare him to is his style and what he's going to do for Florida, which they desperately need, is they need some kind of um, organizational, like, feeling of what they are, you know, like of what this team is because a direction. a direction and just, and where he, he, the, how I met, how I first actually came in contact with him um, a long time ago was through Lou Lamorello who told, who, and Lou thought that he was going to be the one of the best GMs in the NHL. And this is many, many years ago. Um, and I think, and I think Zito takes a lot from Lou's world where Lou like wants the, the team to know, like you're a Florida Panther everywhere you go, everything you do, that kind of thing. That's what I would expect. I would expect more of that. And, me, and, and, and the owner of this team is, is an army, big army guy. So that's like the way he likes to do things too. And you know what, Ak, but based on what you just said and based on where that organization has been, that would lead me to believe that he will come in there and make an impact. And the yeah. only, I think the way that you make, you walk into the room and make an impact is by making a change. Is by Here, Here's an interesting thing, Ak. Here's Let me ask you if you would do this. So, you know, for the last four years, Scott Luce has been the director of amateur scouting for the Vegas Golden Knights. How's that worked out? Pretty good. And and before that, Scott Luce was there for a lot of the great picks for the Florida Panthers. What about bringing him in as assistant GM? Yeah. It'd be interesting. I think it'd really be interesting. Because yeah. he knows the market. He <laughs> knows players. Right. Uh, he could be the right guy for that job because – well, I, like I said, I felt like he was ousted the wrong way the first time, and then he's proven himself yet again somewhere well, else. I'll give you, I'll give you another name, and I don't know if there's any connection between uh, Zito and this guy, but in terms of somebody who is a fine eye for talent, who's out there, who was, who was, who left an organization a few months ago, Rick Dudley. Rick yeah. Dudley is still yeah. out there, and you know that he has a good eye for for talent in you know whether it's pro scouting or amateur scouting. So the problem with Dudley is oh, with that one. Honestly, would Dudley take a lesser position right now? I don't know. He might. He was assistant GM in in, in Carolina. So if it's a right, but what if he? What if they don't want him for assistant GM? What if they want him just for his scouting? Would he do that? Probably, then it probably wouldn't be a fit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Zito's. A, it, it's interesting. It'll be. It'll be. I think he will definitely do stuff. He will evaluate every player, and he, he's going to want to have like a Panther type player, like you, know, like a Devil player or an Islander, yes. player, like you always heard with Lou. Yeah, they, they need an identity. That's the thing he's going to bring, and that's what they desperately need. You know, I think, and I think that that's what the owner saw, and all these, as we know, everybody interviewed for this job. So, you know, I'm not surprised he got it. I know the NHL has been high on him too. Like you know, the NHL always has their guys that they you know, want to be mm -hmm. here because, because they know that these guys are going to be really good for the game. And yeah, it's going to make the whole thing interesting. Um, that It's going to make that division, you know, which really is owned by like three teams right now, you know, as we're going to see where this goes, you know, how this plays out, um, you know, Boston, Boston, Toronto and Tampa, you know, are going to have to deal with, I think with Florida now. Um, 
I think that will be that will be fun to watch. We've had to deal with them before, but I think the Florida and that's the thing about Florida when you talk to people, like they they have they have some really key components. Dale Talon's a great GM, so he put a lot of things in place there that are good. It's just a matter of how you how you how you take it to the next level from there. You know, and it, it doesn't remind it does, you know, remember Talon built the Chicago Blackhawks dynasty teams basically before but yep. was but wasn't there for it when they won, you know. Yeah. I think you can well, see Dudley a built them for Jay Feaster in Tampa. I mean yeah, yeah, this is this is this is something. Listen, I mean, whether we like it or not, we saw what Jay Feaster did after. I'm sure um, some people in the chat room could chat about that. Yeah, um, yeah, that was all Dudley. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think Dudley Dudley will be a. He's. I know. I know that, that they're all connected in some way, shape, or form. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, Let's talk right. about the trade. Yeah, so we had a trade today. Um, so Jake Allen, the. Uh, you know, interesting. Like just a week ago, like he was the guy who was maybe going to take the take the Blues. Um, now he's been traded to, <laughs> to, yeah. the, to the Montreal okay. Canadiens. Hey, this is this is the, the this is so typical Mark Bergevin and the Canadians. You've got eighteen million dollars in cap space. Your team can't score. So what do you do? You go trade for a four million dollar backup goaltender and you give them a third round pick. Give yeah. what what an absolutely asinine move. Now, I don't. I disagree. You know why? Let me let me let me finish. Okay, is Jake Allen a decent goaltender? Yes, he probably is. A you know he's a very he's a very good backup, no doubt. Or, or you know, so if your plan and remember their plan a couple of years ago when they signed Keith Kincaid was for Kincaid to play say thirty games and take take a little bit of the burden in terms yeah. of games played off of Carey Price. That's the direction that the NHL is going. I get that, but. There were other there were ways to do that and not and not spend four million dollars. Now he's a UFA at the end of next year, and maybe the plan is to flip him. You know, you don't know in terms of the this goaltending market. You know, or not have to protect him. Well, he's a UFA, so you don't have to. UFA, so it doesn't matter. Okay, sorry. Right, exactly. So you're protecting price. You know, Charlie Lindgren is under contract. You know, they don't have any. They didn't have confidence in Charlie Lindgren to be the backup, which you know they, they went and got Kincaid when he was the potential backup. So that might be an indication. I just think this is proof to me that the that the Habs have so have enough money and nobody to spend it on. Now, that, that this is going to be a situation where the players that they're going to have to trade for, you know, the, the, now they had 14 draft picks. Now they have 13. They've traded one of them to get Allen. They're probably going to have to go out in some of these deals act and trade draft picks and trade players on their roster to bring players in because I don't know how many players are knocking down the doors to sign a free agent deal with the Montreal Canadiens. This is not 1979. This is not the Habs that won Stanley Cups. This is the Habs where your fan base is burning you an effigy if you play one bad game. So, yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, maybe. Uh, counterpoint, counterpoint, Russ. Counterpoint. Um, now that you brought in Jake Allen, you're giving Caden Primo another year to develop in the AHL rather than making him be the backup next year and not playing a lot of games. This helps the organization. Yeah. I kind of agree with I, I and this is the, this is the thing. I mean, yes, I mean they do have a ton of money to spend, and 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 yes, there's not you know how many players are going to be out there. I think quite a quite a lot of players, and I think there's going I think they're going to be able to get bargains on players too because you know we've, we've talked about before the cap going down and, and a lot of players being available. But the big thing that that I like about it actually, I, and at first I well it, first of all, and then we'll talk about St. Louis is what St. Louis is thinking too. But this for Montreal. 
when you look around right now, obviously you need a backup goalie in the NHL. Um, you need you need to have two goalies that you can go go with at any time. We're seeing it in the playoffs now is how how important is it? Like we're just seeing incredible like Hudobin. The fact that they have Hudobin is why Dallas is still there. Um, That's true. You know, if they get, I mean, they obviously Bishop was their starter. They kept on, they held on to Hudobin. Halak, you know, took Boston pretty, you know, pretty far as well. You, you know, Francis now. Although now I think they might rethink the whole situation. Yeah, I mean, Halak probably is the kind of goalie that looks better as a start as a backup. Which, okay. is, which is all you really wanted out of him. So, but, you know, but can he step up to be a starter? Can Jake Allen step up to be a starter? I mean, Jake Allen, on the one side, a goalie who's not dealt with pressure very well, putting him into Montreal, that's a thing. Like, to me, well, that, that's the first Jake thing. Jake Allen's won a Stanley Cup. Carey Price hasn't. Right. Yeah. Well, but right. let's, uh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's just say this, though. I mean, <laughs> if, if, if Carey Price gets hurt like he did a few years ago when uh, when Chris Kreider took him out, um, you know, would you rather have Jake Allen in, in net than Dustin Tokarski? Of course. Yes, yeah, that, and that's where it comes down to. But 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 the, but the again the situation also, making the playoffs, you need a certain amount of points from your backup goalie. You're spending fourteen million dollars on your goaltending next year. That's not. Good. But they're also by by giving Price by not by not beating Price up, you're getting more out of him and more time. Right. Out. You're getting a, you might get and, a, and you're giving more training for Primo. Like this is for goaltending development, Mike. That's it's fine. not really for all for goaltending. And you get another year out of price that, that all that stuff helps, you know. Um, now, St. Louis, why they would do this? Um, because they have, they're obviously room for a young goalie that they got to. Well, it, it, here, I, here's, I do think, and I'm, I'm going to say this, and I really, I really do think that this is a sign towards, towards, um, towards a, you know, Peter Angelo signing. And well, Jan, Jan, Jan in, our, in our little chat said, you know, now they're well on their way. They're not well on their way because right uh, now. Somebody, and they are well on their way. But well, let, 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 me, let me finish here. Go ahead. Because, because right now, I believe they have about $6 million in cap space. Now, they have to move out another significant salary to be able to sign Petrangelo. And that's right. You've got Vince Dunn as an RFA who had a good year. He's probably a two to three million dollar player. The rest of the the rest of their players are are signed through next year. You know, Yaka Della Rose probably you get it at that league minimum or close to that. They're gonna have to either move out Steen or Schwartz or maybe Dunn or a Pareco to be Steen, able to Steen will get moved. Yeah, well, I don't know if he'll get moved or he'll retire. If he retires, then then that opens up almost six million. I'm just saying that's who they'll target. They're not going to do done. I don't They're think gonna he's going to take Steen at, at 36, 30, 35, 36 years old. You know, coming off the year he, you know, maybe he retires. Maybe they say we're going to buy you out, or maybe they say you know we're going to trade you, and he decides just to retire. If that's the case, then they have the money. But the thing is, what's Steen making for? How many more years? Five seven five for next year. So just for next year. No, you give a team a draft pick, they'll take Alex Steen. In in this in this yeah, if you if I give a team a second round pick, they will take Alex Steen and his money. Yeah, yeah, maybe, but but the thing is here, even even if they open up, even if they open up this money, even if they they trade Steen or they trade Jaden Schwartz or they clear clear more money to sign Petrangelo, you're giving him probably nine nine and a half million dollars on a long term deal, yep. and then you're capped out. And that's the problem. And that's the problem. Then Jaden Schwartz is a UFA at the end of next year. Then basically saying goodbye to Jaden Schwartz. I mean, you're really putting yourself yeah, up most important, one of the most important players on their team. I mean, that's the bottom line. That's how they see it. You know, like they see. I know. Them. I know. And and it's all it's all dependent on whether they're willing to come up to pay Petrangelo what he what he deserves, and whether they're willing to put themselves up against the cap, which they've never really been a cap team. 
you know, they've always been sort of like, well, you know, play in the mid seventies, but not eighty, well, not right to eighty-one point five. If they make this, if they make this signing, if they sign Petrangelo, they're going to be a cap team. They're going to be right up against it for a number yeah. of years. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's what they're going to do. Um, and I, I mean, they, they don't have a whole lot that they have to do. You know, like as far as if we're going to go out and get other players, I mean, the Blues are a really good team still. They have, they yeah, and 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 honestly. The reason I don't believe they'll get rid of Dunn is he's 23 and they have him under control. And even if he's not going to be a 50-point guy, he's definitely a 30-point guy. And he's a plus every year. Like why? And he's fast. Why in the world am I going to get rid of that? I'm not. Well, you're not going to get rid of that if you don't have to, but they might have to if they're ready. No, they won't have to. They'll do. There's so many other things they can do. Well, I mean, I mean this I, I, is the plan that they're going to do it. I think this is this is this is this this shows this this is what they had. This is the biggest thing they had to do to make this happen. Um, yeah, that one is definitely a big obstacle. Anything else they're going to do is going to be easier than this was. I think. I, I don't think this is enough, but I mean, it's part. It's there. It's part of the way. Well, what's the fall cap going to be? It used to be the summer cap, but it's now it's it's ten per it's ten percent over. But they have to be at eighty one point five when the season starts. I get it. I get yeah, that. So, so you you know you can you can go up to ninety million, but you know on December one, if the season starts, then you have to be at eighty one point five. And that's the thing. If they're paying if they're paying Petrangelo nine million bucks, which everybody seems to think that that's you know around. You know, best case scenario, they're paying him what they what uh, Arizona paid Ekman. Well, like. you know what they could do. I could see this scenario. I could see the scenario where they sign Petrangelo over the summer. They tell Steen, "Hey, listen, we don't have a spot for you anymore. Maybe we couldn't trade you, and so we're either going to buy you out or you could retire. You can let us know whenever we have we have time here." And that's what they do. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at the buyout for for. And this is the thing: the buyout for Alex Steen, they only save two million dollars on the cap if they buy him out. But they've saved six between Steen and Allen, right? Right. His cap, his cap hit would be three point four on a buyout, and his, right. his normal cap hit's five seven five. So they would say they would save two point three million. That plus, are they at the cap or under the cap? They're six million under the cap right oh, now. Oh, so they're fine if they do that. Yeah, but they have done, and they have other they have other things to sign. I think they're, they'll be fine. They're up against it. They really are up against it. Yeah, yeah. They um, can dump Carl Gunnarsson off somebody. So quick. They can dump him to the Leafs. Let's talk. To, let's talk about Quinn Hughes for a second. So, set an NHL record for the most. They're playoffs. done that, Russ. They're not. They're not interested. So oh no, Quinn the Leafs would never be interested in Carl Gunnarsson. <laughs> Quinn Hughes. I'm going to say this again. Set an NHL record last night for most playoff assists by rookie defenseman um, already in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, again, I mean that was going to get obliterated. We knew that. Yeah, which is just, which is amazing. I mean, in the second round, I mean, it is a little bit weird with his play and stuff and all this. Yeah, stuff. the play and helped it, but we also knew if this was a regular playoff year, Eck, he still would have beaten that record easily. Oh yeah, he still was going to take that record apart. I'll give you one thing, Russ. Uh, Carl Gunnarsson's better than Brendan Smith. There you go. <laughs> uh, another quick news, really quick. Uh, Dreger is saying the Arizona Coyotes are expected to make another pitch today to keep star forward Taylor Hall. Well, so let me talk about them for a minute. Yeah. Let me, let me mention this because uh, Elliot Friedman and Drager and a few other people have been talking about, and over the last few days it's yeah. sort of come out that Arizona is considering basically going on a rebuild. And now the, the thing that's that thing that's baffling about this is okay they're going into a they're potentially going into a rebuild and I, I heard the comparison like similar to what Ottawa did that they're going to basically reset for a couple of years 
you don't have your first round pick this year. You don't have your first round pick next year. It was taken away by the NHL. So you could finish dead last in the league and not have your pick and not have a pick. Now they'll right. get first round picks. They'll get draft picks, and they'll uh, if they tra- if they trade Darcy Kemper, if they trade Ekman Larson, um, no doubt. But you're not you're not going down the road of a rebuild when you're going to be picking in the middle of the first round when you're having a terrible year, and that's that. And it's it doesn't if, make if any they sense. They sign Taylor Hall. They're not rebuilding. Right. Exactly. And that's what. Right. And but the thing is, Russ, that if they sign Taylor Hall, that's another top there's another second round pick they lose so that they won't have a pick in the next two drafts until the fourth round right it feels, it feels to me like the Arizona Coyotes I mean the Coyotes in order for their fan base with what's going on right now with all the crap that's gone down they have to make an effort to sign to it all now whether or not they're going to get him done or not right. whether it was great but is, is Kepner a UFA Mike Kemper is two more Kemper has two more years at 4.5 I I don't know I can't. I think they're going to keep him at Taylor Hall signs. I do. Well, yeah. they have to say they. I mean, they're again. They're capped out too. Right now, they're at eighty point three, and they. So if they're if they're signing Taylor Hall, and again, Taylor Hall is going to be what? I don't think they're signing. They'll they'll do something with Yarmolson. Are they really going to have Aiden Hall as their goalie? Like, come on, Aiden Hill. Well, they'll go out. They could go out and get a cheap backup. They're gonna Taylor Hall doesn't want a cheap backup. He wants a contending team. Right. Then that's why, you know, that's why he's probably not going there. All right. I mean, if they if they sign Taylor Hall, they have to be trading somebody. They're talking about they're talking about trading Ekman Larson. There's there's eight and a quarter for Ekman Larson. That's probably the money that you're paying paying Taylor Hall. But you know, they have four defensemen who are unrestricted free agents at the end of at the end of next year. Goligoski, Yarmolson, Demers, and Osterley. Okay. So, like, who's playing on their defense? I don't know. Victor Soderstrom for sure. Well, that's one. Okay, him and him and Chickren will play sixty minutes. There you go. No, I know. There's lots of issues there. I mean, this is a team that, and then you know, the crazy thing is, this team is not bad. I mean, they they they're mm-hmm. they're in the middle. Yeah, but they've got I mean, they've got good young players, right? They they continue, do. They continue to get better. Um, they, they they got better to a point. Yes. We talked about. How much better they were going into the into the when we know the, re, the replays began, and then now, they, some yeah. of them were going to be these guys they're getting rid of too. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they 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 could they could clear out Derek Stepan at six and a half. He's got one year left. He he would be in people would be interested in him because he's a center. He'd be a good yeah. second line center. Maybe they move out one of the defensemen like Yarmolson. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Bill Zito is getting notes from uh, Joel Quenville. Hey Yarmolson. <laughs> No, I like that guy. Um, uh, but but the thing is, is like, okay, if you make those two deals, then you have eleven. You open up eleven million dollars in cap space. Then you could then you could sign Taylor Hall. Yeah. But I mean, Thank you know, you've got Barrett Hayton coming coming around. But you yeah, got a- he's not a superstar. I think F made a good point though. They need Taylor Hall. Yeah, they do. They have they have to at least make a really big effort to get him. Yes. They, their fans need to know that they care enough to go for it. You know, like they have to. Yeah. At this point with what's happened, they have now. And I don't, I don't, I don't see Hall as the kind of guy who's just going to go for the money though. Like I just don't, um, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before about this, but I feel like he is not. I think he's going to, I think he may not go for top dollar act, but I think he's going to go where he wants to go because I think he's going to go where he's going to go for, for And I, I think that at the end we'll hear that, you know, 
Arizona offered more, and I think we'll hear that. I just think that that's the reality of it. But, think- but, but it could be a situation where they offered more, but he didn't want to go there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, if the diff- if the difference between if the difference between him playing in Calgary or him playing in Arizona is Arizona offers him a million more a year, he's signing with Calgary. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. I, I I definitely think so. I think that's I think that's where we're heading. Um, another thing that happened last night, which I, I would someone had texted me, we should bring up. Was right, really I, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Okay. And we'll get out of here right after this, Mike. But did you see the play where Carter Hart caught the puck behind the net? I did not. All right, so let me. I'm going to bring it up for a second. This is this is crazy. This is really really interesting. Let me see if I can get this here. Um, here it is. Okay, so pause it for a second and bring it up on our screen. Because okay, so this right after the Flyers got a power play in overtime. Mm-hmm. They had just gotten a power play in overtime, and and you know Michelle Terrian had drawn up their plans. Um. In, in, a, in, a, in a timeout that they took, and the Flyers, you know, took that and did what Michelle Terry said they should do again and did not score again on the power play. Um, then, I mean, come on. He's, he's got it. He's an uh, offensive genius. Come on, Ak. Oh, my God. So right after that, this happens, okay? So here's the, here's the play. I'm going to see if I can bring it up as big as I can here. Okay, so here we go. Um, the puck is wrapped around the boards. Mm-hmm. Here we go. And it's a wraparound, and Carter Hart goes behind another, and it Carter Hart goes behind the net and catches it. It <laughs> just catches it in his glove and brings it back to the crease. Um, it was a wraparound, like you know, you're not it, it was it was it was high along the board high along the boards, and um he just so you'll see it better here. So it's like one of these things, it's a high high shot around, and he just caught it and and <laughs> didn't know what to do with it. And then the ref comes up to him and basically says don't do that again. And then he talks to Andy Green and says, Green Green's like, you're not allowed to do that. This was pretty amazing to me that this wasn't called. I wouldn't, I mean, well, it would have, it would have been called if he, if he had been in the two. <sighs> no, this is a rule. You're not allowed to do this. Like it's a flat out rule that you can't freeze the puck behind the net ever. And you can't bring it and you can't bring it back into your, then it should have been, been called. It was a hundred percent delay of the game. This is just, there's this flat out, you know, otherwise you would see goalies do this a lot. Like, you know, the pucks wrapped around hard wrap that they try to get to, they can't get to because it's high or whatever. And they try to block it and miss it. That's what was going to happen here. It was overtime, you know, and it was almost like, we know you're a rookie, so we're going to let you go on this one, but you can't do this. And it, and if I was Islanders fans, I would be totally pissed off about that. Like there, that was, I'm just sitting there. I really felt like the Islanders last night, Fans should have been mad at the referees for that game. I felt like the refs were totally in the Flyers' pocket in that game. And I'm well, it's it's not saying that it's not exactly Doug Gilmore getting high stuck by Gretzky, but you know it is it is something where it should have been called one way and it wasn't. And now that the Flyers won the game and are still alive in the series, that it gives the Islanders and their fans a little bit of uh, a situation where they you know they think. You know, that should have been a penalty, and maybe they score in the power play, and then it's I know. It's crazy, and that really should have been a penalty. Um, and, you know, it, it was just it was just bizarre. And, you know, you do see this sometimes. Obviously, there was a, there was a time in the last game, too, where somebody, they like, grabbed the puck and carried it. You know, when players carry the puck for a long period of time, you know, accidentally, quote-unquote accidentally, and they saw it in the in – the, um, you saw it in another game, and, and the ref go up and, and warn a guy that. But you never – I've never seen this – a goalie do this and get away with it ever at any level. <laughs> and as, as a goalie playing, I've got, I've gotten called for this. It's just, it's a rule that goes back, you know, into the seventies. I think it's just ridiculous. So anyway, 
let's let's just mention the the game tonight and yep. uh, you know Dallas Colorado game six and uh, you know Rick Bonus came out after the game and you know I think obviously said what everybody what was on everybody's mind is that Dallas came out in game five and weren't ready uh, you know not not only Ben Bishop but the entire team they they played like they were they they played really tentative and allowed Colorado to attack them and basically barraged them in the first, I'd say 10 yep. to 15 minutes of the first period. And then essentially the game was over with when you're down five, nothing. Um, I would hope that bonus is saying to his team, I need you to play like you did in game four. I yeah. need you to crash the net. I need you to get in Michael Hutchinson. And I'm assuming Hutchinson is going to be in goal for game six. I need you to get in Hutchinson's face. I need you to, to crash that, crash that uh, Colorado defense and, and cut McKinnon off like like Chicago cut McDavid off in their own zone to prevent him from from building speed through the neutral zone. I mean, Dallas dominated Colorado in game 4 worse than Colorado dominated Dallas in game 5. They're yeah. wholly capable with their size and with their ability to to dominate that first period and I think they have to because if they yeah. allow Colorado to get momentum in that game, you're going to game 7. So, yeah, I agree. Um now who's in Golden Knight? I would assume it's going to be Kudobin and and Hutchinson, but I haven't seen anything yet. Yeah, I mean, and Hutchinson's the big. He's he's def, definitely Hutchinson, huh? Well, I, I mean, Fran, it sounded like Francis was hurt, so yeah. I mean, I it does. I don't think he's available. I'm checking right now to see. Yeah, I've not heard anything about it. I don't know. Maybe someone in the chat room has, but I haven't heard anything about it yet. So, I mean, we might not hear for a little bit because it, it is later. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's um, Hutchinson is a. I mean, he. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it's 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 pretty funny because he was terrible in Toronto as a backup. He was the reason that they went out and got Jack Campbell. He was basically a third string disaster goaltender for Colorado. Not thinking that both their goalies got hurt. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, uh, Sean Shapiro, who covers the Dallas Stars, says, uh, as expected, we're not going to get anything on the Stars starting goaltenders or lineup until warmups. Well, Dallas so, is also pretending that they might play Bishop, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, that, that, it, it, <laughs> the most ridiculous thing in the world. Yeah, if they play Bishop, the way Bishop played, I mean, the way Bishop played, Bishop looked like he was hurt. Yeah, they, he looked like he was hurt. And and we've and then Bishop, to his credit, man, he he was hurt the whole friggin' time he took Tampa to the Stanley Cup Finals. He was hurt playing hurt. Remember, he was but he was he was just not he was not yeah. sharp at all. And I mean, I would I would think that they have to go with Kudobin. As for as for Colorado, I you know I would assume you know. I, I would be shocked if Grubauer is ready to come back. I would yeah, be I haven't heard anything about him being ready to come back yeah, at so all. We'll, we'll, we'll find that out later on. Find it out soon. But, uh, all right, so we're going to get going. Um, Bishop would be a better goalie if he didn't have to just move diagonally. Um, that's all I'll say about that. That's a joke. Anyway, it's bad chess joke. Um, chess, bishops, yeah, have to move diagonally. All right, um, remember without the bus.